That's one of the reasons we love having uh, Kerry on. Um, oh, sorry, having you mean Zoe? Zoe on. Um, yeah, to we'll read, fix that uh, up in edit. No, we won't. Uh, yeah, no, go on. Th- th- this is all live. Thanks to Cryer Malt, a grain of truth in every podcast. This is Good Brews Week, or is it Good Brews News? It's been two weeks, so you'll um, forgive me if I just stumble a little bit. My name's Pete Mitchum. I am your host, and joining me is the guy who has kept it going for two weeks, although one of those was a little bit of radio silence. It's Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. <laughs> G'day, Prof. Yeah, sorry, listeners. Uh, it's just a busy time of the year, Prof, isn't it? It, it has very much been a busy time uh, of the year and it is every year um and it's you know we've dropped the ball we've, we've done we had done so well getting being regular uh but just with, with one thing and another yeah and then last week um through various things and the royal melbourne show and all sorts of things uh but zoe stepped into my stead very admirably and thank you thank you for that a nice um before we get into this week's news just a little bit of a recap but um a, a good uh, look, I guess a review of um, uh, of the beeries from from last week, um, which again probably a little bit of the good and a little bit of the bad. Focusing on the good, Kerry Clayton, um, and who we should give a shout out to. Can we call it good friend of the program because she's co-hosted and she, all that she's sort of co-hosted. She's even great if even program, if yes. when I visited her at Bolter, she forgot who I was. But anyway, which is a bit embarrassing when you know I remembered who she was. But anyway, uh, off to Everest. Yes, yes. No, she's she's in the Himalayas at the moment doing base camp uh, for MND, I think it is, um, raising funds for MND. So um, I, we might put a link. I'll just make a note. We'll put a link in the show notes so anyone who wants to support uh, Kerry um, can contribute. Um, and Frozen you can cash. also get updates. Uh, she's got a Facebook group where she's sending f- lots of photos of <laughs> literally fat yaks. Um, <laughs> is, she, is she drinking beer at high altitude or is that... Is that not a good thing? Can you take? Um, I mean, if we if we can get you know Vostok, if we can get beer into space, surely we can get it up Everest. Well, apparently you need a strongly flavoured beer because your tongue swells and you don't taste so well, um, according to the to the research. But uh, she did. I, I did see that she had posted a photo of a uh, that she had found a bar. Um, so she's about three thousand eight hundred meters and she found a bar there so i don't know how much higher she'll be drinking but uh um, anyway she, she is if she is drinking she's drinking for a good cause and so can you so uh we'll put a link in the show notes and uh, yeah it was great to um talk about kerry and uh we are going to follow up a little bit um about her comments um for a, a future story when she gets back but uh yeah no prof uh, but look I, I don't think we need to go back over um you know hey, well, uh, well done to you too matt for um for deferring to zoe to read that out because I, I i was kind of trying to imagine kerry's words in your voice and yeah it would, <laughs> just wouldn't he have been the same yeah it's great having zoe and uh you know some of our other co-hosts on but you know so it's just not you and i um sort of talking all, all the time and, and that's the, the feedback that we're getting is everyone's loving it so uh we'll, we'll keep it going um, so good to good. hear. Well, let's talk about the, the, this week's news, Prof. What have you got for us this Pick week? To catch up and uh, beef a bit and beef a beer. It's a very B week, I noticed this week when I was putting together the um, the news. So in this episode, we will be looking at, in no particular order, Bintani begins a beautiful brotherhood. Brew and their brews news begets no bad bodings. And in Brisbane, boo-hoos for a big beer as bosses bid bye-bye to jobs. Did you like that? I do, Prof. Well done. A fair, fair few bees in there. Nice that. bit of alliteration. Um, 
Yeah, let's start off with uh, with Bintani. That was an interesting one for me, um, and I haven't had too much. Uh, it's, the news has sort of only just broken, so I haven't had a, a, a chance to have a chat to any of the guys or whatever. But um, uh, I guess it's it's the way of the world. If if we need to uh, continue on, you know, there's a, a very famous quote, and I, I can't actually remember who said it, but if you want things to stay exactly the same, you better be prepared for a lot of change. Yeah, you've got to have the, the the guiding principles and the business ethos and that sort of thing. But if you want to, I guess, stay relevant in a in an ever changing um, world, and and the world changes with technology, it changes with new customers and the way that you know we uh, engage and um, new products and and all that sort of thing. You've really got to sort of go, okay, how how are we going to do this? We we need to grow. How do we do it? Um, and Bintani, obviously, um, working with it's uh, pronounced Ra. R-A-H. Well, I believe so. German uh, pronunciation. I'm I, sure our uh, yeah. German listeners will uh, correct us. And I don't know. Then you throw in an umlaut or a, <laughs> something like that, and it changes. the. So we're probably, you know. Raw? Calling them something, yeah, rude or something. But um, uh, apologies for that. Uh, yeah, what, what was your take on it? Oh, look, I'm very excited. I mean, you couldn't meet, you know, in an industry of amazing people, you couldn't meet nicer people than, you know, the Bintani guys. Peter, um, Dale and Phil are just lovely, just lovely people. And so salt of the earth people in, in, in this community. And 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 it has been it's not necessarily you know, it, it started off in very humble beginnings and has has grown, but they've never sort of got too big for their boots. They've never forgotten who it was that, that got them there. So their attitude to um, you know, the, the the startup that just wants to get some sample bags of malt or whatever, that the service is exactly the same as the, the, the guy, you know, the big brewery who's buying the, you know, multiple bulker bags or or, you know, want their silo filled. It made absolutely, and you know they started small. Like they're pretty much like a lot of craft brewers. They started small. I think they they shared in their backyard um, was their warehouse, and they gradually grew. And now they've got uh, warehouses in three states, um, but it's still family owned. And you know you see um, one of the three of those guys or one of their team at just about every industry thing. So they are incredible support. They're great supporters of Brews News. Um, I have to say. Actually, um, actually, yeah, that's a, that's a really good call too, Matt. And I'll, I'll just, because I, I know I've mentioned it once before, but the the, the story I love telling about uh, when I'm talking talking up Bintani is uh, last year at the Ballarat Beer Festival, uh, Bintani wanted to come on as a, uh, in, in a sponsorship role, but they wanted to be a, do a, like a brewer's support. So they came up with the Bintani Brewer's Butlers. Um, where they would have, you know, um, uniform staff. And so if you only had one or two people at your stand and you needed extra kegs, some ice, you wanted a cup of coffee, um, a lunch order, all that sort of stuff, the brewers butlers would, would, would do it for you. And I'm thinking, what a, yeah, what a great concept. Isn't that an awesome idea? I didn't know. I, yeah, I hadn't yeah. heard that. But here's, but here's the kicker. Bintani, I'm, I'm figuring, oh, yeah, they're going to, you know, it's going to cost them T-shirts to get printed up and then they'll get agency staff or volunteer, you know, wh- whoever it is, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll do it. No, it was Selena Henschel and it, and it was um, uh, Pete, um, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Phil Meddings himself. Phil, yep. And Phil, by the end of it, had gone through two T-shirts. He'd sweated <laughs> through them running. They didn't re- – so it was like talk about putting your money where your mouth is. It wasn't – I will just be behind the idea. They actually, you know, they, they walk the walk as well as talking the talk. Very much. And, you know, it, it's always done with great passion. The thing that I find interesting, you know, I, I get a feeling, you know, any time that there's announcement of uh, sale or investment, that there's a little bit of nervousness around it because just because of the way that it, it, it's perceived when breweries are bought um, by another. I, just, I get it. I got a sense that there was some nervousness about how it would be received. 
And it was great to see that there was just, you know, from what we posted, there was a lot of interest in the story. And all the comments, very positive. Yeah, but and, and, and unanimously uh, positive, which is interesting. And I think, you know, because they deal business to business and they, you know, don't deal with um, consumers, um, that, you know, anyone who's in the brewing industry knows those blokes. They know that this isn't going to change their approach. It's not going to change their, you know, emotional investment in the industry and so incredibly supportive. And you have to contrast that with the reaction when breweries sell for exactly the same reason. And you know, yeah, I haven't yeah. had a chance to... Um, I, I tried to catch up with um, Dale uh, yesterday um, just to find out a little bit more um, and maybe even sort of get him on the, the podcast for a bit of a uh, conversation. Um, but, you know, I, I got the message back, look, he can't. You know, the phones are running hot and, you know, customers are our first priority um, because everyone's got questions, I, I would imagine, about their contracts and things like that and what it means for them. Um, but um, beer lovers aren't quite as supportive of breweries when they sell for the same reasons. Um, and I'd imagine, sorry, that's where I was going with that, I'd imagine that the reason that these guys had a partial sale is because we've got a rapidly growing industry. These guys um, have started in their back shed and are now a substantial business, but how do you keep growing? And it's a problem that just about every business in the craft beer industry, whether you're a bar, whether you're a, a brewery, whether you're a, an equipment seller, is struggling with how to manage your... And, it, and it's something that Brews News um, you know, grapples with, Prof. You know, th- th- this was basically uh, some guy in his underpants when we started, um, and uh, you know, I approached you, you were blogging away, how about we blog on the same site? And, uh, you know, going back, gee, almost 10 years ago now. Um, and we're at a stage now where stories are breaking every day. Um, you know, there's, we are stretched so thin. And how do we keep our business growing? So, you know, look, God, uh, no one's come offering us any money yet, Prof. Um, <laughs> hint, hint. Um, uh, I, I, I did hint to ZX Ventures when I, uh, when, when I spoke to them about the uh, booze bud that, you know, they've invested in a couple of things in the US if they're looking at a... Yeah, rate beer. <laughs> rate beer and a couple of blogs and a couple a of websites. Reputable and, independent source of brews, news and opinion. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it certainly doesn't, based on uh, the, the news gathering um, that I've done this week, uh, it certainly doesn't change our, you know, just because you sponsor the site doesn't change our coverage, uh, having had one sponsor cancel this week because I've asked <laughs> some awkward questions. Um, more on that later, uh, listeners. Watch this space, folks. Yes, um, but yes, apparently I've been uh, bullying. Uh, or there's a, anyway, so uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, but uh, and, and so yeah. Good luck to the medics. Um, you know, really, I have absolutely no doubt that this is just going to let them, you know, um, put more behind the industry. And you know, it was almost exactly twelve months ago that Cryer Malt um, sold out to Barrett Burston. Um, and again, David Cryer was a very small operation, and you know, David is still. I don't know what um, the, the highest level of frequent fly points is, but David Cry would certainly be close to that because he is constantly on the move, getting out to places, and you know n- nothing has changed. So uh, I'm absolutely sure it'll be the same for the Meddings, and uh, good luck to him. Yep, for sure. Um, in other news, that uh, you wrote a, an interesting article. Um, this is a this is a trick around, and I, I did love speaking about comments that our listeners um, and, and readers leave. Um, but uh, it seems they love a good brew update, brew uh, as in <laughs> yeah. the B R O version of of brew. Australian and the, the double O is pretty, <laughs> yeah, and double O is is pretty significant because it seems that 
Brew the business who recently bought Mildura Brewing and and is still I assume still has plans to build a multi million dollar facility out at Ballarat with a centre of excellence and and, and a brewing facility. Um, yeah, we're losing a truckload of money, but it's okay. We're on track. Um, yeah, well, they <laughs> is that summarising it a little too harshly? No, no. Well, no. Well, it, it, it's not. And I don't think uh, like I, I had a chat with uh, Kent Grogan uh, last week. Just to find out, I might actually see if Kent wants to come on the podcast. He's an he's an interesting guy, um, but yeah, what it was about two years ago that they had a stock market listing um, that mm. they raised ten and a half million, uh, valuing the business at over a hundred million dollars. I think at, at their peak, the shares got to about fifty cents. They're currently trading at twelve cents, which again seems um, fairly ambitious given uh, Gage Roads. Um, is selling at twelve and a half cents, and it's actually making a profit, um, not losing four million dollars. But um, on, on, and I have to preface this: I'm not a stock market guy, I'm not an accountant guy. Um, but having looked at the uh, the, the the financial um, statements, um, last year lost three and a half million. This year lost three and a half, uh, four and a half million on top of the million that they spent on. Um, Ildura, um, and a whole lot of other stuff that they've uh, been developing, including a $100 million brew house. There's going to be a, a beer museum um, and a, the world's greenest brewery. Um, apparently, they've burned through the $10.5 million that they raised on the stock market, um, and that also includes a $360,000 salary package for Mr. Grogan, of which only 1% is performance-related. Well, that's good because there's not a lot of performance coming on. Well, yes. So I, I, I didn't think to ask are, are him we still Are we still selling a truckload of beer into China or is that – Well, no. that, that was kind of, Wasn't that originally, from my recollection of the, the story originally – that, okay. That that was where the growth was going to come from. That was the announcement twelve months ago. So they bought Mildura. This has been my week, Prof. Uh, you know, proponents of projects making. There's a, there's another bit of alliteration for you. Uh, you know, promoting projects um, and trying to understand. They say something, and then you try and understand exactly what they're saying because it comes out that it's the ordinary meaning of words is a little bit different from what they actually yeah. are saying is, is, is how it comes across. Um, he has, he ha- apparently has a deal, um, a take or pay deal um, with a distributor in China. And a take or pay deal means you either sell the beer um, that you're contracted to um, or they pay a fee anyway. And based on the calculations, it's a couple of cents a litre that they have to pay whether or not they sell the beer or not. Um, and based on the volumes, it's the, the contract is worth over seven years. I don't have it all in front of me, but over the years that it's worth, it's worth $120 million just on the take or play. On take or play. Now, right. um, we've got no volume results on how much is sold in China so far. Apparently, he's going to be getting his first um, reporting sometime in October, and we look forward to bringing you the latest brews news when when we have it. Um, the take-or-pay contract doesn't start paying till 2020. Um, and But again, you know, so whenever you read their results, it's $120 million that they've got this income stream. Um, now... Enforcing contracts in China is apparently very difficult. Um, so, um, and these are all commercial in confidence. So we don't know the what the contract is, and they won't tell us about it. 
Um, so we have to take their word at it. And uh, I've spoken to people who work in the markets this week about what they about what we should be taking from it when the auditors are saying there is a substantial concern that this business can continue. Um, Kent's telling us that you know they're putting great focus into their domestic operations, even though they've never sold. I think, sorry, and I probably shouldn't be doing all of this from memory, but I think the most that they've ever sold in a year is maybe three quarters of a million dollars worth of beer, um, uh, and their Mildura brewery is at capacity based on earlier things. So they're they're looking at that to ease up some cash flow. They've got this China deal, um, but one of the things that the market should be looking to is that um, they have to raise added capital um, because they've basically burned through all of their their money. They can do that off-market if they go to raise a certain percentage with sophisticated investors, which means that people who know the markets and know how to sort of analyse these things. And you would imagine that a sophisticated investor is going to want to have access to these Chinese contracts before they sign on and bankroll it in, in terms of making sure their money is protected. So if over the next six to 12 months, we see sophisticated investors um, at, you know, putting money into the business, then maybe this uh, Chinese contract is all it's cracked up to be. If we don't, then, you know, because they need to get through to 2020 to have this money come on. Um, so anyway, it, everything is up in the air. It's and we shall of, watch with interest. It's a bit of a black box, as they like to say in the uh, financial markets. You can't see inside. All you can work out is what goes in and what comes out um, and what comes out in announcements to the market and try and divine the entrails of the slaughtered goat that's inside the box. <laughs> you've, learned, you've learned a lot talking, yeah, uh, doing a bit of research into into the markets that you've done this yeah, between property development and ASX, and you, you, you learn a lot. Jeez, and it, it's one of those funny things. You learn a lot and you learn nothing at all because, yeah, uh, you, yeah there is a lot of. Um, but it does show in a very complex world, you know, that the world economics is. It's at the end of the day, you've got to say, okay, let's just see what happens because there are so many variables. It, it hurts my head even just thinking about it. You need to see what happens and also what's going, you know, what's going on. And that's where, you know, like, again, um, you ask questions of businesses and, you know, they they give plausible denial, denials. And it, it, in business, apparently it's not lying because there's a whole lot of things you can't say until the time is right. So, you know, you get a whole yeah. lot of non-denial denials or you look at what the denial says and what it doesn't. And I, I think back to the Boke and Bailey post um, looking at, you know, how can you tell when a brewery is readying for sale? You know, they um, jettison non-performing um, assets and beers and, you know, start going for volume and they, they start announcing positive things um, and all of which was... Um, targeted at uh, Robert Plant's son's brewery. Beavertown. 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 You know, three days before announcing that they actually had sold a percentage of their business to Heineken, Beavertown out and out denied that they'd sold to Heineken. Um, and you're going, well, sorry, didn't you just say three days ago that you didn't? But Boke and Bailey were spot on. You look at a lot of the things that are going on around it and try and work out whether that um, divines it, and there are a whole lot of breweries. And I, the... I can hear, I can hear the cogs spinning now in the the conspiracy theorists out there. All go, okay, so which Australian breweries have been, you know, uh, rationalising their core range, uh, talking themselves up, and 
taking uh, on yeah. new uh, management boards, um, you know, rebranding, um, <laughs> getting uh, you know national uh, liquid distributorship, maybe toning down some of their you know more edgy avant-garde. Um, Beers, um, you know. Okay, so we so we know who it's not then. <laughs> yeah. In the garden, what a garden. Brews News is made possible by Brewpack, Australia's number one craft contract brewer. With over 100 craft beers and ciders on the roster and counting, Brewpack specialises in offering growing craft breweries a home for their packaged and kegged beer, no matter how crafty. Serious about handmade beers, and with an open-door policy, Brewpack's brewers love having passionate, hands-on partners in the brewery. Thinking about craft contract brewing? Think Brewpack. And uh, yes, we thank Brewpack for not only making a whole lot of great craft beers possible, but also for making this podcast possible. Now, speaking of loss... um, (laughs) Making a loss uh, to to losing jobs, which which nobody is is happy about, but it does. Um, and we spoke off air about uh, there's there's been some mainstream um, media interest in in the fact that uh, Lion have announced at uh, two different facilities, both uh, Milton in Brisbane, the, better known probably as the Forex Brewery, despite the fact that I think most of the Forex is brewed out of West End, which is the other one that's um, shedding jobs this week. Yeah. Or Sydney, yeah. Look, certainly don't want to make like people people's lives are at stake here. Um, just the, the only things I wanted to comment about this prof are in the media yesterday. So, so there was an announcement that they were, um, you know, lowering jobs um, and you know, or reducing jobs and a significant number of their workforce. Um, Around thirty percent, I think it worked out at um, at the two at, breweries. Yeah, West over across the two was it? I, I think yeah, twenty five percent, and West End was a little bit higher. Um, yeah, and that's after they've closed their Western Australian brewing operations and um, scaled back. Is that one of the stories that was being told in the media yesterday was that it was craft beer um, that was harming them? And again, you know, figures in the the, the big brewing world are very hard to say, and they they need to say what they need to say because they're um, publicly listed companies in some That's shape it. or form. And you've and you got to blame someone at the end of the day. And you need to blame somebody, and you can't say our business is rooted um, or, you know, something that yeah, can be... Our in, business in, model, yeah, we haven't changed with the times or it's all our fault. Well, exactly, because that's going to um, impact your business and your investment. That will frighten horses, yeah. And, and, yeah. and all of that sort of thing. So we'll sort of say... It's craft beer market. Now, the independent craft beer market in this country is still less than 3%. Um, so, you know, if craft beer is growing, those guys still, the, the big breweries still sell through their craft beer ranges um, more than... Almost 98% of the beer that's... Yeah, and, and, and their yeah. craft beer ranges are still bigger than the independent um, beer market. Um you know, so I think Stone and Wood is somewhere around 11 and a half, 12 million litres. Um, uh, recently, Furphy is selling, you know, one brand from Lion is selling uh, 19 to 20 million litres per year on a mean annualised uh, total. Is there a bit of irony there that, yes, we're losing uh, market share to some brands that we also own? Like we're cannibalizing ourselves. I don't know if that's ironic, but that's not the story they're telling. You know, that's the interesting thing. You know, when they go out to the market, the story that they're telling is craft brewers are hurting us, which, you know, you've got to call bullshit on. Um, 
you know, their businesses are shedding volume. Um, you know, I remember, you know, God, it was probably eight or nine years ago. Every year, um, VB would release a statement saying how much, um, what percentage of the Australian beer market was made up of VB, how many million litres they sold, and they were the biggest value brand in the country. Once they started plummeting and they got down below 50, you know, because it used to be 25%. It used to be 25, yeah. And now you can't, you, you can ask them a direct question, you know, what is your percentage share? They don't talk about it. We're still Australia's leading value brand because it's full strength over Forex Gold, which is mid-strength and so cheaper. They say that we're the highest in volume. CUB say we're the highest in value. Um, but they don't tell you much about it. So, but you just sort of look at the numbers and you just think this is bullshit. The craft is hurting them. People are drinking differently and that's hurting them. The beer category itself is shedding volume and the big breweries have got to own some of that because even now, while they know that on, on, on instinctively and on one level and they've talked about it in the past that beer isn't inclusive and they need to look at shaping markets they do not know how to do it and they do not have the capacity to do it because they have invested so heavily in heavily gendered brands. And you look at Iron Jack's latest campaign, you know, on one hand it's supporting working dogs, but it is very much targeted at blokes. And everything about that brand is targeted at blokes so does lion need to, to bring out an iron jill but they can't that's the thing because they get in trouble for that too well I, I, it I, would be it would be yeah it would be pointless it, it, it would be pointless and 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 the point um you know and th- th- this is where you can get yourself in trouble the point about making beer inclusive isn't about making beer for chicks it's not making pink beers it's not making beers that are tailored it is making beer that isn't um exclusive and gendered towards it's men. It's gender neutral. Yeah, gender, it's gender neutral, neutral beer. So people, anyone can enjoy the flavour. And unfortunately, that's not the mainstream beer market. The mainstream beer market, and there's a whole lot of reasons for it, but the mainstream beer market does not attract women because, um, and, and again, it's very hard to nail it down to one particular thing. But um, as a rule, um, bitterness is an acquired taste. Um, for things like tea, coffee, dark chocolate, um, you know, bitters um, in, spi- in, in um, spirits, um, we acquire the taste. But we acquire the taste for those things because they're not actually gendered products. Beer has always been a taste that your dad has said, don't worry, son, it's an acquired taste, but it's You're a taste we're acquiring. Yeah. But your mum never, you, you never really saw mum <laughs> drinking beer. You never saw a group of girls drinking, you know, it's not that they don't drink beer, but I mean, how many people do, how many tastings have you been at, prof, corporate tastings where women over a certain age, even though they're at the tasting, they're at, at the tasting for a networking event and they tell you, can I have a wine because I don't drink beer? Yeah, that's yeah. changing with younger women, which is fantastic. Definitely, and yep. it tends to be they're drinking craft beer, which is beer with flavour that has something else to offer. But the big breweries have created, you know, sorry, they haven't created it, but they have played to, they have advanced, they have invested in, they have uh, perpetuated, and they have, you know, locked in a heavily gendered product that they can't now go out and change the face of because if they soften the, the, the face of it they're going to offend you know the, the the rusted on blokey beer drinkers 
if they create a beer that's designed for women, they're going to be accused of that. And so they are just flailing in, in this changing market and they're offering absolutely nothing. Um, so they need to say it's craft beer's fault, even though the numbers don't uh, showcase that. And the second point about this is, and I've talked about it on the, on the podcast before, but at the moment, today you've got the unions wash, uh, you know, wailing and gnashing their teeth about the loss of good Queensland jobs. Now, the, the union has been, the, the, the local union up here has been waging a campaign against the Forex brand, not against the brewery, not against their employment practices, but yeah. has been calling for people not to drink um, Forex in a certain can because it's no longer, um, you know, it's been an open secret that Forex hasn't been um, exclusively made here, which is a good thing. If you're selling into the city market, make it fresh. I'm sure there's a business um, outcome for, for for them because, you know, if, if um, volume is diminishing in Queensland, you produce less in Queensland. But the union has actually been out campaigning on this issue in a way that it seems to have been lobbying for union membership, not actually lobbying for these workers' jobs because they have actively been damaging the forex brand and now they they seem surprised that you know volume is continued to plummet and uh suddenly it's the, the the poor workers that have not been well served by the union and i don't want to be a union basher i'm not a anti-union but that was just a little observation about um the, the politics that's been going on in the background to all of this yeah, yeah now no, you exactly. were going to say something prof Sorry. silver lining is there a silver lining so in both adelaide and in brisbane uh, is there an opportunity now for people who have experience in either brewing or packaging or um, logistics or whatever other uh, areas that the craft beer, um, independent beer market, as it grows, um, you know, there's a shortage of, of skills. So is there a silver lining there that you go, hey, you know what, we, we talk about for every million litres of beer, you know, a small brewery 30 employs 40, 40 jobs, yep. to one. Um, of the big guys, well, so maybe these jobs that are, are going, you don't have to then go and become an Uber driver or a, you know whatever it might be. You can actually stay in brewing. Um, well, we haven't seen where the jobs are coming, but I think packaging, packing line is a is a big part of it. Um, to, to look again, I, I I don't know, not having done the absolute figures, but I'd be very surprised if the pay rates for a unionised work workplace, such as um, you know, you know paying conditions for a forex brewery, are anywhere near the. Um, oh, I'm sure they wouldn't be. Which condition. is part and, of the problem. Which is part of the problem. So, yeah, um, and, and it's something that we continue to look at here at Brewers News is the um, pay rates. Um, you know, where you see uh, you know people to help on the packaging line of a craft brewery getting paid casual rates of twenty to twenty five dollars an hour, and also assistant brewers getting paid that sort of rate. So I can't see somebody um, from the comparatively you know well paid, well protected um, jobs at Lion um, going yeah. going. Well, I'll refer the defence to the um, uh, Exhibit A, the words of Lee Iacocca when he single-handedly basically turned around Chrysler and then GM. Um, but he went to the unions and basically said, I've got, you know, 10,000 jobs at uh, at 20 bucks an hour. I've got zero jobs at 40 bucks an hour. You, you guys decide. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think maybe it's it's case if you want to, you know, if, if you've got those skills, it certainly is something that the the independent brewers can I guess you know we we, we often hear them um, bemoaning the you know the lack of skilled um, brewing people, 
this 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 could be an opportunity. But let's let's again let's wait and see. Yeah, look, one of the comments that was made because there have been some interesting comments made on the Facebook page about that. And one one somebody highlighted that you know will these people find work? Um, and somebody else weighed in and said, um, uh, you know, craft beer is he said five percent. I think it's less than that. But at five percent of the market, craft breweries are already seventy percent of the employer. You know, employ seventy percent of the yep. jobs. Um, yeah. In, uh, in in beer because, you know, you look at a brewery like Newstead, um, which has two breweries in Brisbane, is making, I would imagine, somewhere around the 2 million litre mark, um, you know, 1.5 to 2 million litre mark, given the scale of the brewery, um, that's possibly a bit high, but they're employing 70 people. Green Beacon, um, you know, two breweries somewhere around the same across their brewery and their, their bars, again, employing 50, 60, 70 people. Um, so you're looking at 35 jobs created per million litres. So those figures certainly do stack up. Craft beer is a big employer. Longer term, though, all of those breweries are looking for efficiencies. And I don't know whether you saw that Lagunitas yesterday sacked 12% of its workforce. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we have seen a lot of layoffs over the last few years from Stone. Um, I can't remember whether Sierra Nevada laid off a small percentage of staff. I know that they've been very reluctant to, but we have seen, you know, as breweries grow, if you don't keep growing, you need to find efficiencies elsewhere. Oh, and and as and Matt, just talking about packaging, um, and I just had, a, had the joy of visiting a, a fairly a great packaging facility, doing some filming. And it, it, whilst there's some areas that are still quite labour intensive, it's far less labour intensive than it than it used to be. You know, every time somebody develops a new machine, in the same way that you know the laptop you know put the typewriter out of business and you know internet news puts you know um, print journalists out of business it's it, as we grow it's, it's it's going to happen we've got to kind of i guess keep reinventing ourselves craft beer was founded on you know this is what it is it's um, Mikko and his mates making a beer and you know us loving it and then getting really excited that craft beer starts to get out into more places and you see it in you know, more festivals and that the whole industry is growing and changing and adapting and whilst there you know there, there's nothing unique to craft beer you know you see it in the music industry you see it in the film industry where you know you've got this indie film um, business and then you see a big player like uh, Miramax come in completely change everyone else has to scramble to try and keep up with Miramax and um, you know the, the music industry as I said and just about every industry goes through these constant evolutions and renewals and constant state of flux it is a constant state of flux and we we, we can't be too wedded to the craft beer industry being any one thing um, you know again I, I still um, see the most exciting the most dynamic and the most rewarding part of it being small little family owned or you know small little um, individually owned breweries um, and I like to seek those uh, beers out but at the same time you know if I'm traveling somewhere you know I get disappointed when I don't find my favorite beer you know an hour north in bottle shops up there the only way you can do that is if you grow to a certain size you've got a sales force that can do it and that takes investment. So there, yeah, there's, and you know, when you take investment, you take on risk, and you've got to help defray the risk by changing some of your business practices. And you know, there there is a really complex um, dyna- dynamic at play in the industry, and it's exciting, and it's awesome, and it's also you know, sees things change, and some things become a little bit sad. But uh, that's it. Now, Matt, I noticed by the clock on the wall that we're about five minutes off being uh, cooked. <laughs> So we should uh, dive into the mailbag, and um, I believe we might even have a couple of 
reviews. We, we, we do have two iTunes reviews. And after a long hiatus, and I had my little plaintive tear in the eye call, guys, review us on iTunes. We've had a spate of them recently, which is awesome. And we would, you know, our letter of the week or our um, connection of the week um, that we send out Barblades to, we, we, we don't want it to just be emails. We want it to be Facebook comments. We want it to be... The one thing I've realized is that with uh, when you comment on iTunes or your favorite podcasting um, soft, we don't actually get a notification that you've done that. So I need to log in and check, um, which I've done this week. But then also we don't have your contact details. So guys, just to really add a degree of difficulty, if you do post something on your favorite podcasting um, app, whether it's iTunes or anything else, maybe just sort of message us on via Facebook or some easy way just to tell us to look out for it and also give us your address so we can send you a Barblade and a Bruise News ginger cookie um, and our merch or also put you in the running for Beer of the Week because we do have two excellent um, – uh, oh, sorry, they're very favourable, but we don't necessarily just want favourable, Get be honest um, – <laughs> So we do have Other Side Mick, um, who I'm guessing is from Other Side, it is a sales rep from Other Side Brewing Company based on uh, what he says in his review. Thanks, gents, gents, for pulling together this almost professional podcast week in and week out. As a rep in the beer trade, I love to listen while on the road and keeps me up to date and even giving me some great content to chat to retailers and venues while out and about. I love the range of guest presenters you have on as they always add another layer of insight too. Cheers and keep up the fantastic work, Mike. Mike, if you are listening, and as a regular listener, no doubt you are, um, shoot us your email so we can get you a bar blade and put you in the running for the letter of the week. Um, another one uh, in September, Evan OB81. Um, been listening to this since they did the Gabs Live countdown, which I take it was January, our hottest 100 countdown, uh, where they asked Pirate Life my question um, and haven't stopped since. Very informative and entertaining at the same time. When I find time, uh, I might need to dive into the back catalogue. Um, please do. Um, we've got some great... Actually, one of the things I've been thinking, Prof, is the reason that we do Beer as a Conversation and Radio Brews News separately um, is I found myself not wanting to go back um, and listen to some of the old conversations that are often timeless because you had to wade through the, um, the beer news of that week that may be now six or seven years old. And possibly a fair bit of waffle. And possibly a fair bit of waffle. <laughs> we have gotten tighter um, uh, as we try and keep. Um, but yeah, so I might even look at getting Joe to do one a week um, and go back. So listeners, if you do have any favourite uh, favourites in our back catalogue, shoot us an email. Let us know what you would like We've to see. We've got a back catalogue. <laughs> well, mate, we're coming up to 188 Re- episodes. Remastered. I- <laughs> remastered. We're going to go from vinyl to DVD. If I hadn't CD. Have, <laughs> if I hadn't have... Um, uh, missed that episode last week. We would have been our Christmas episode this year would have been our two hundredth episode, which is a milestone that I want to celebrate. So either we sneak in a wedgie, um, as they say in a good Australian shout, or we just call our hundred ninety ninth episode our two hundredth episode and record a special edition. Um, and uh, we, we need to have a think about how we're going to do it. Um, what our two hundredth edition is going to be. Um, but anyway, um, can you believe that we've done 200 uh, episodes? We, in fact, it's a little bit more than that because we lost our accounting somewhere along the line um, before we were professional. But anyway, Evan, thank you very much. Same deal. If you're listening, send us some contact details so we can at least send you a bar blade and put you in contact for the letter of the week. And a gingerbread cookie, thanks to Deb Bakes. Deb Bakes, who is awesome. Um, yes, and uh, we'll, we'll put a link to Deb in our show notes because if you are looking for some great merch um, listeners... 
Deb Bakes make amazing um, biscuits. They taste excellent. And then she can put your logo on them. So if you're going to October, it's a bit late for Oktoberfest now, but if you've got Oktoberfest or if you've got upcoming events, these are awesome. Um, and I'll certainly be using them for Beer Mat um, as Beer Mat little bits of a promo. Um, but I think this week our letter of the week will be Chris Howell, who emailed uh, me. And it was just a night, no compliments, uh, nothing like that, because it doesn't have to be complimentary. But he listened to a podcast episode and he thought we would be interested. interested. And it's um, a history, an ABC history podcast looking at hop growing in Victoria um, around the ovens. And it's a great podcast. Oh, okay. So Very if cool. you're listening to our podcast, you are obviously a podcast listener. We will include it in the show notes. Uh, so, Chris, thank you for bringing that to my attention. And uh, I have listened to it and it was excellent and uh, can highly recommend it. So I'll reply to Chris and uh, he will be our letter of the week. And I've got a I've got a, a review that's just come in. It's from a prof of Melbourne, and he says, uh, "Thanks very much, Matt, for putting me on to stuff you should know." Ah, there you go. So I, I put you on to stuff you should <laughs> so, know. Yeah, on my walks, on my walks now. I, um, now the now the um, you know the uh, uh, sports season's over for another year. I because I'll, I'll often listen to sports podcasts. Uh, shout out to Josh Button, um, Bats and Balls. That's, a, that's a, I like that one as a, a one of my favourite non beer. Podcast, and I also listen to another. You know, take me now. You've I've seen it all, um, but I've been listening to stuff you should know. It's a, a great podcast. <laughs> I don't want to get ahead of myself there, but listening to their banter, um, you know, they're very professional, but still, still very, very casual. And uh, you know, it, it was one of the inspirations for me starting this podcast with you, thinking, "Hey, Prof, and I could do that." Yeah, <laughs> and. Beautifully done. We're only a couple of minutes <laughs> over being cooked. As I say, if you have any responses to any of the issues that we've brought up or you've had some clarification or you, there's a, an issue you'd like us to discuss, please let us know through all the usual channels. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Matt, thanks very much again. Good to catch up. Thanks very much for, um, as I say, you know, the last couple of weeks, a uh, bit of dead air and then you um, covered for me last week. Thank you very much for that. Um, and we'll do it all again next week. That sounds great, Prof. Looking forward to it. Thank you for uh, joining us back this week. Have you got a? Are you going to be back with us next week? Yeah, 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 yeah. They're back at school next week, and, and you and I will play that. What time is it again? Oh, daylight saving. Daylight so saving. It, uh, <laughs> ten o'clock? No, with nine o'clock for you. No, it's ten o'clock for me and nine o'clock. I hate it. And, and then we get a <laughs> South Australian guest in. Uh, and then it's it again. Now we're going to take another half hour off. Or Pia comes on, and then the three hours to Perth becomes four hours, and ah, fair income. And on that note, I will leave you with, um, uh, thanks very much, drink fresh, drink local, and stick your shower beers up your ass. I don't want to pick on um, beer selfies every week, but fair dinka, mate. Mate, I uh, love a shower uh, beer. Just... Don't. After the mowing, you know, it's, it's Queensland. I know it, <laughs> the, the, the sun doesn't shine in Melbourne. Uh, it, 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 there are just some things that you just you, you just need to dedicate to the the one thing that you're meant to be doing. Hey, Prof, I, I, I noticed you didn't mention the uh, NRL Grand Final. Those uh, commiserations. Sorry for your loss. Oh, yeah, no, no. Well done to the Roosters. They, um, yeah, you complete twenty sets out of twenty one in the first half. That's almost a perfect game of football right there. And they just didn't let the storm in. So, uh, not that the you know oh, the storm forgot to get off the bus. No, no, they they did their best with what they were allowed, and they weren't allowed very much. So you can't win them all. But I'll tell you what beats the shit out of getting beaten in a preliminary final because you go, oh, well, we could have won. <laughs> but l- at least we know we couldn't have. And there's always next uh, year. Prof's hot take of the week. Well done. That's it. Take care. And we're out. <laughs> <laughs>